Hello again. This is Crystal. And I'm Ben. And we're your hosts for the We Are Wayfarers podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us again. Yes, and this is season one, episode eight, and we're just going to talk a whole lot about heaven. We're so excited to dig into the promises that are held out before us of a heavenly homeland that we are traveling toward. Thanks for joining us on the Brave Way Home. back. This is episode eight. Episode eight. Episode eight. Wow. Hey. (laughs) I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited about every episode with you. Oh. (laughs) You don't believe me. The look on your face. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about heaven. Um, And I'm also just excited because, well, this is our eighth episode, and we're so grateful for so many people that have been following along. And with from week to week, all the people that have been uh, choosing to tag in and listen, and all the encouragement um, that we've been receiving, and that it would, our prayer has just been that it would be useful. And it sounds like that for some, it is just that. And so we're grateful. Yeah. If you sent us a message or an email or a text or anything like that with encouraging words, we're just really grateful. You'll never know how much that means to us um, because we're just kind of, we're, we're following and we're being obedient, but um, we're hopeful that it is useful to you and we're hopeful that it does do um, something to spur you on um, toward love and good deeds. Yeah, and we're just us. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I literally, I'm. We're in my office. There's books everywhere. Um, it's it's just us, and it's just us documenting some of our conversations about the way we often talk from day to day. Like, I mean, it's it's pretty common for us to be reading or having our quiet time. And then, well, maybe me more than Crystal to just shout out something that I've read or <laughs> something that landed on my heart in scripture or whatever. And as you may have learned at this point, interrupt what she was maybe doing. Um, and it sparks these conversations. And this is just us kind of documenting that. Mm-hmm. So um, if these conversations are serving you well, or if you know people who maybe would benefit from catching some of these episodes. We just, we invite you, we encourage you, pass it along. Word of mouth uh, is, in my opinion, our opinion, like the best endorsement uh, to just tell people, hey, it was worth my time and I think it'd be worth your time. And so... For sure. If it has ministered to you and you share it, that is such an encouragement to us. So thank you for sharing and thank you for passing it along to people that it could maybe serve. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we're going to be kind of tackling the topic and in the, in the, the episode. Tackling? Do you think we're really going to tackle okay. it? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm just saying like the title of the episode is um, Heaven is Our Home. And it's it's something that I think about often. I know you think about often. We talk about it um, a lot here in our home. And it's just something that brings so much hope and so much purpose and so much joy um, so I'm excited to talk about that today. Yeah, I think uh, especially uh, in our grief, 
right? I mean, I know my grief is different than your grief. I know Ezra's and Lila's are each unique. And at the same time, as we talked about before, like our part of our task um, and our burden and our joy is to shepherd our family's grief as we walk forward and allowing heaven to be a part of conversation, not just the sit down, we're going to talk about heaven um, kind of ways, the weaving it into the way that we pray and the way that we head off to school and the way that we step into all of our moments throughout the day, allowing that to be a focal point. Yeah, because Cal is still very much a part of our family. She'll always be a part of our family. And to know that she is right now experiencing some of what uh, we hope um, for all together ahead is just, it's a way that it pulls us to her to try to think about what she might be experiencing, what she's doing, who she's with. And um, it just, it makes it such a reality in our lives because she's still a part of our family. We just talk about where she is and what she's doing. Well, like you always say, I mean, the reason why we speak of Kala in present tense, it's not, it's not out of a sense of denial. It's about a, it's, it's the mindset that she's more alive than any of us here. Mm -hmm. She, she still is. Um, and I know for some that, that maybe doesn't make as much sense from their perspective, but for us, we are we're acknowledging that that she is she is experiencing new things right now. She is enjoying the presence of Jesus in a way that we don't get to yet. And I I love thinking that if she can't be in my arms, <laughs> I would want her in no one else's mm. but Jesus. Wouldn't trust her with anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about heaven. Yeah. And the fact that Kala is in heaven, it just pulls me forward to it. It makes my mind start to race. My heart start to race when I think of what is ahead. And um, I've shared this before. It's not, it was a mind shift for me when I realized that Kala is not behind me. She is in front of me and I am coming to her. So there is just such a fire in me, such a hunger in me for the things of heaven, for the things of, um, above, the things ahead. So when I think about heaven, my mind and my heart just race toward it in expectancy and in excitement because there's so much that I look forward to. Um, this There's a book that we've read that we love that we've discussed even with our small group. Um, it's a book called Heaven. It's by Randy Alcorn. And yeah, we shared about it a little bit last episode. In our episode. last episode, yeah. yeah. Um, and he just makes such a good point. It's the very first quote in the first um, chapter, but it's by um, a man named J.C. Ryle. And he says, um, Now surely if we hope to dwell forever in that even better country, even a heavenly one, we ought to seek all the knowledge we can get about it. Before we go to our eternal home, we should try to become acquainted with it. And I think that's such a, such a good way to, to frame the conversation because so many times we forget that heaven is actually our eternal home. We'll spend more time there than we ever will here by a long shot. By This is just a blip on the radar. So why don't we spend more of our time trying to trying to let our imaginations run wild with the information we have been given in the scriptures. Why are we not thinking about heaven and heavenly things and letting that just pull us forward through any terrain because the hope held out in front of us, the joy set before us? 
Well, I think part of that is, I mean, some, something that C.S. Lewis talks about, right? Like, in, I mean, screw tape letters. My mind always, it's amazing how many moments I have throughout a day that my mind goes to, hmm, this is like a chapter in screw tape letters, right? Where the dialogue is very much, um, it's between, <laughs> if, for, for if you've never read screw tape letters, what I'm about to say might make you uncomfortable, but I'm okay with that. Um, it's It's an incredibly powerful and I would say pertinent book from for people, for believers to to engage because it is written as like a from a head demon with um, kind of a Padawan demon that has been assigned to someone and his job is to coach him and train him in how to distract and lure this person away from Jesus. And that is the whole it's it's just dialogue between the two. And my mind goes to how easily we do get focused on things here. But we're so distracted in so many ways. Our imagination is robbed about all kinds of beautiful things, <laughs> not just heaven, right? Like, I mean, when we think about new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, there's a whole, oh my goodness, we should do a whole season on all of that because <laughs> we can't talk about all that right now. So when we say heaven, like we know we're talking, there, there's a lot of different um biblical ideas with that, but also a lot of different biblical opinions about that. And and we're not we're not diving into all of that right now. What we're what 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 I would say we're talking about is how how our imagination in a biblical worldview and a biblical framework, we've been given quite a bit that speaks to what we can envision about what to expect about eternity. Right. How about wording it that way? Right. Right. But it's all based on scripture. It's all based on truth. We're not just like saying, I think this or I feel this. So it's going to be true. I mean, <clears throat> it's based Thank on. Thank you for not doing that. <laughs> it's based on things that are scriptural. So if we hear that they're, that, that the, that the heavenly city is like a beautiful garden, I mean, we can go ahead and envision that. There's nothing wrong with letting your imagination run wild as to what it would look like. Or if you, um, you know that heaven is going to have a, a, a beautiful river flowing from the throne of God. There's nothing wrong with allowing your your imagination to pull you forward and just to picture what that could be. I mean, obviously, it's probably not going to be anywhere near what it actually is is going to feel like and be um, be like in the the real experience of heaven. But just allowing your heart to pull you there is such a beautiful way that we we connect with. Um, we connect with the idea of heaven as our home. Yeah. My mind went straight to, you remember when Ezra, Ezra was, he was really young. I don't know that he's let go of this belief though, whether he can support it in scripture or not is still yet to be determined. But remember when he was like, dad, I'm kind of, I'm banking on like rocket boots and jetpacks. <laughs> like I'm like, like I'm anticipating being able to, to fly wherever, however. Yeah. yeah. We've prayed about that before. And yes. God, I really just, I really hope we can fly. I think that'd be amazing. I love those prayers though. Oh, it's, uh, but it's, it speaks to the imagination. Mm -hmm. And, and I would say there's plenty of room to, to acknowledge that, uh, we're going to be able to explore a vastness of eternity 
for eternity. We're going to be able to learn all kinds of things. We're going to be able to see all kinds of new things. They're always going to taste good and they're always going to be exciting. Yeah. And yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And so what I, I don't know me, I, I remember and telling for each Ezra, person, it's going to be something different, something yeah. that your heart loves. What's you your jetpack? What's your rocket? <laughs> like uh, Lila loves animals. So we're always talking about whether or not like, and we know in heaven that no, none of the animals will kill or destroy or harm anything. And so she can have, she can be friends with a tiger if she wants. She can be a best friend with a koala bear. Like she's, She's got she's got ideas of what heaven is going to be like, and a lot of them revolve around animals because that's her favorite thing. Which that is, I mean, no, this is not a tangent, but that is one of those ideas where remember, like when whenever you think about the silliness, sometimes that we've culturally kind of played on, like, oh, do all dogs go to heaven? <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, will there be animals? I tell you, when you go back to Genesis and you start reading over all of those covenants um, where where God is reminding Noah that this covenant is, it is not just between him and his family. It is between him and all creation. Mm-hmm. It is with him and all living creatures. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. Like, I think mean, heaven's going to have a whole bunch of animals. I don't know if my dogs are going to make it, but uh, <laughs> I, think, I think one of them, one of them, um, I think, well... I mean, God draws us to Himself with with kindness, and I I, I want to see that dog turn to repentance. Uh, but um, <laughs> she. <laughs> uh, but I I do like there's so much that Scripture gives us in the way of describing what heaven's going to be like. It's just like letting your informed imagination just stoke the fire of your desire for heaven. Yeah. Oh, that just, do you want to say that again? Cause that just, that was really beautiful. <laughs> um, no, no. Cause it just rolled out so well. You're like, oh, <laughs> make me go back and say that. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, but we're, when we're talking about heaven as our home, as our final destination, as our, as our, our homeland ahead, something we are traveling toward, um, we just, we should let it pique our interest and inform the way that we live right here and right now. Um, in in the book Heaven, they talk a little bit about how if you want to get somewhere, there's usually a plan that involves how you're going to get there. He talks about like if you're going to Florida, you don't just start driving in any direction, just on any road, and you know expect to get to the one destination that you have already picked out. You kind of have to plan. You have to look at a map. You have to chart your course. And he says, um, if you want to get somewhere, guesswork is just a really poor strategy. Yeah. I mean, isn't that applicable to everything? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's also the, the same thing of every moment is often a reminder that things are not as they should be, that we are not as we should be, right? Like every time I go up and down our stairs, my knees tell me, hey, Hey, this might be the last time I let you do this. You know what I mean? Like I'm reminded in heaven, my knees are going to be fantastic. Okay. Like I, I, I think that's what to me, every little moment is in one way or another, an opportunity to redirect my mind to heavenly thinking, right? To where we will be, where our bodies work correctly, where everything is as it should be. Yeah, there's no shortage of reminders that we're not home yet, that things are not as they should be, that things are not heaven yet. Um, but I think it's I think it's important to recognize that heaven is not our 
our default destination. It is not the place that we automatically go. Um, that's the entire reason that Jesus came for us, the, to came to save us, because our default destination is not heaven. And he was willing to come into our world to make it a possibility for us, for the people who would choose to follow him home. Um, and it again, in this book, Heaven, he talks about how earth is just this in-between. It's it's not quite heaven and it's not quite hell. It's an in-between world that's touched by both. And so you on earth will see the, the best things that are heaven um, connected, things that come from heaven. And you'll also see the worst things that are hell connected. And so that we just see this mixture of the good and the bad in this realm in between. And so for people who are, are not headed to heaven, earth is the closest thing to heaven that they will ever, ever experience. And for people who are headed to heaven, earth is the closest thing to hell that they'll ever experience. So there's just this in-between of like, there, are, there is good, there is beautiful, there is agony, there is pain, there is death, there is birth, there is a mixture of all these beautiful things and these hard things. And it's just because he- heaven and, and hell are, are in the, earth is just in between them. And so both of them are touching our experience here. And we cannot make ourselves the center of our truth, right? Like... Just because we say something is what it is, that's not what makes it true. And uh, as we've talked about before of how, for us, everything comes back to the authority of Scripture in our life, right? Like, it, like Jesus is either who he says he is or, he, or he's not. It's not, a, it's not about some other definition other than what, what he says what, and who he says he is. And for all of us, we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us need redemption, right? All of us need saving. Right. And Jesus says he is the one way to the Father. He is the one way, the one truth, the one life. And so if we believe the words of the Bible, um, if we hold those to be true, there is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus. And I think we we say this and we mean it and we just need to pronounce it over and over again. But again, Jesus is not the means to the end. He, we do not use him to get to heaven. He is both the means and he is the end. Amen. Way, wayfarers walk the way that Jesus made for us. He is the one who made the way for us and who calls us to come home to God. He is the only reason that heaven is even a possibility for those Um of us on earth, that he loves us so much that he gave his, that God gave his one and only son so that we might have eternal life through belief in him alone. Um, he loves us so much that he was willing to come here and save us and and make a way for us to come home to him. And I think, and I think we can either embrace him as savior and king or walk away. And that determines destination, right? Um, If Jesus is Savior, he's king. And if he's king, he's Savior. He's a package deal through and through. Um, Yeah. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18, it says, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself 
no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we're Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's the gospel that Jesus loved us so much that he came to save us and to bring us home to God. And I love how Alcorn puts it. Um, <laughs> I want to say Randy, but I, I don't know him personally. Like I yet. You're on a first name. I, I hope to get to hang out with this guy. But I love how he says, "You are made for a person and a place. Jesus is the person. Heaven is the place. They are a package. You cannot get heaven without Jesus, or Jesus without heaven." Mm. Such a clear reminder that Jesus is not the means to the end. He is the means. And the end. Amen. And when you know the end, when you know where you end up, we can persevere through and find purpose even in the middle, even when it's hard. And my faith in this world has been irreversibly broken. This is not home and I will not spend my life trying to make it home. This is not all that there is I'm looking forward to a homeland yet to come because this earth will never satisfy what I am longing for. Well, and I think as we set our hearts on heaven, it allows us to have the perspective to see the good things of this life. All right. When Jesus says that he, he came to give life to the full, like it, it allows us to see the good things of this life and to be able to respond in worship that those good things, the beautiful things in this world would point our hearts to praise him. Mm. And at the same time, see the awful things, the agonizing things in this world and let them lead us to Jesus again and again and again. Uh, the beauty that we see in this world, it is a taste of what's ahead and the agony is the promise of what will be wiped away forever. And there's so many beautiful descriptions of heaven in the Bible, and each one is a gift. Each one has a different way of showing us the full picture of heaven, but we don't get the whole picture. There's going to be a billion surprises, but they're going to be good surprises, surprises that a father has in store for the children he loves. But it tells us the sure ending, that there will be rest and there will be reward and there will be a restoration of heaven and earth. There will be a reunion and there will be a resurrection. Um, those are all promised to those who follow our King Jesus. And those will all happen when he returns. And it's just the destination. The descriptions are so irresistible that you we have to reach it. We have to get there. Regardless of what terrain, we have to navigate on the way. And so I guess... My mind starts stirring with what are all the things that make my heart and mind move in that direction? You know, we just talked about how, um, you know, all of the things that remind us that this is not home, right? And at the same time, we're also talking about the things that are good that still remind us that this is not home. These are just a foretaste. That was the dog sneezing, right? That was definitely the dog sneezing. Well, Judah and Selah, they got it, they got it. Yeah, it wasn't you that... <laughs> They, they, they're here. They're here right along with us. But I, I think when we start praying, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, right? Like on earth as it is in heaven, 
Like we say that phrase all the time, like we are to be as God's people, the ones who usher in, right? Like when you were referencing Second Corinthians 5, right? Like we are to live lives that implore people to be reconciled. To implore is to urge, emphatically plead with people that the lives of holiness that we're called to are, are being lived out so evidently in our day to day that it implores people to be reconciled to God. That means that they would then see how much we need Jesus, and it would help them then see how much they need Jesus as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think of as we pray on earth as it is in heaven, how do we pray like that, live like that, and not be intrigued by what that might actually look like? Yeah. How would you even recognize it if you don't know what the things of heaven are, are characterized by? Yeah. And, and doesn't it seem like maybe our culture has characterized heaven in an incredibly silly way? Yeah. Right? Like, I think, I think much of the time, uh, what we're finding over and over and over again is a confused version, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, naked babies floating endlessly on clouds with... Make it be noted that you are the first person to say naked. Um, it wasn't me. <laughs> I'm just saying the, re the, the descriptions that the world gives us of heaven are completely unappetizing. They're completely unappealing. And I think what scripture does with its descriptions of heaven from people who have actually been there, people who are actually living there, like those descriptions that the Holy Spirit inspires its prophets with is that we just can't wait to get there because it's so amazing. It's what will make us thirst and hunger for what is to come. It's what will forge an affinity for heaven. Um, and I think like as we've been talking about on the on the journey there, it the destination is so beautiful that it makes the journey worth it. We just, we're not supposed to wait passively, just impatiently tapping our feet and waiting for Jesus um, while we just sit around and do nothing. That is not what he set in front of us. Instead, we're supposed to model the culture and the values of the kingdom that we've been adopted into, the kingdom that we belong to, the kingdom of light. We're supposed to live out what Jesus has taught us and to act like our citizenship is in heaven. Because when we do, we awaken those longings inside of us. We, it makes us thirst and groan, join the, co the chorus of creation just singing, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, until everything on earth is as it should be, as it is in heaven. Yeah. Amen. I, I think we become the answers to our prayers because that is, that is what he's called the church to be and do, right? And I think... Uh, we know that we're going to be worshiping, right? But sometimes when we say the word worship, um, we've, we've allowed that definition to be boiled down to maybe just the songs that we sing. And by all means, yes, that is a part of our worship. But by definition, worship, Judah, stop sneezing, my man. Like by definition, worship, worship is an act pleasing to God. Well, everything in heaven is going to be pleasing to God. When we are when we are leaning into all the beautiful things that he has for us, like that is going to be worship. And by all means, I'm planning on singing like I've never been able to sing before. And my voice isn't going to get tired. 
and I'm not going to have to worry about Southern Indiana allergies, right? <laughs> like I'm like like I'm going to be able to sing the way that my heart wants to sing. But worship is so much more than just the songs that we sing. And so I think we're going to enjoy him. We're going to enjoy all that he has made. And we're going to enjoy eternity with everyone that he has gathered and adopted and get to adventure together. Yeah, like, Rocket boots or jetpacks, I don't know, but we're <laughs> going to get to adventure together. Yeah, but back to that boring, stale idea of heaven that the world tries to sell us, like what I try to tell Ezra in our conversations is heaven is full of adventure. Everything we do will be under the authority of God. So we can do anything that is pleasing and glorifying God, that adventuring, climbing mountains, you know, spending afternoons, like running around in... You're going to be able to climb a mountain and not get like winded. <laughs> or or fall or or any of those yes, things. That. <laughs> That's more of my reality. <laughs> um, right I don't now. know. An asthma attack on your end. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. But like heaven is a real place. It has tangible things. They are able to be experienced as ourselves. We will be ourselves. We will see, touch, uh, smell, taste, hear, and we will feel the fullness of love, joy, and peace saturating every experience we have a restored earth, and a remade heaven that resurrected people will live on with our God. It's Alcorn says it in his book, the plan is not to be taken up to live in a realm that was made for God. The plan is that he will come down and live with us in a realm he made for us. So we just take a look around at this world and imagine what it would be like without sin, without death, without suffering, without corruption, without the curse. We see a picture of what the world can be, what the world will be when we start to take away the things that sin has brought into it, the way that that suffering has stained it. Um, But heaven is described as like a city. It's described as a garden. It's like a kingdom and it has animals and trees and rivers, banquets and parties, culture and architecture, activity and adventure, all friends and all family and all existence revolving around a joyful worship of the king. And that's our eternal home. Heaven is our home. Our eternal home is coming And those we love in the present heaven are right now healed and whole and happy in the very presence of Jesus. And they are waiting along with us for the grand culmination of history when the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, our eternal home will be revealed. And for me, that's just a really beautiful, a really joyful connection that I have with Kala, that I still have with Kala, because we are both looking forward to and longing for and leaning into the same desire. We're drawn together by our shared hope and our shared king and our shared home forever with him. And our homeland ahead is so beautiful, so captivating, so desirable that we reject the world's empty call to make our own heaven on earth. And we embrace the call of our God to walk the brave way home in response to his invitation to something infinitely better. C.S. Lewis has said the fact that our hearts yearn for something earth can't supply is proof that heaven must be our home. And I can't help but think, what does it look like to look forward to heaven? 
Are you looking forward to heaven? And if not, why not? And maybe, maybe again, like we were saying, like for, for some, it's because culture has painted heaven as this place that everybody gets to go by default, right? Like, or that it's basically whatever you want it to be, your version of heaven, right? Or it's, again, the, the, the cartoony clouds and harps and stuff, all that. Or I think for some people, it's become this boring place that doesn't sound much better than hell, right? They, they paint this picture that hell is not that bad either, right? That heaven can't be that good and hell is not that bad or that it doesn't really exist or it's reserved only for the worst of the worst. And I think if you've heard or if you've been taught that heaven will be like one never-ending church service, well, that kind of will depend on your experiences in church services, right? Like uh, that's going to impact the way that you imagine eternity. And if we don't have an engaged and robust theology of heaven, we have to ask ourselves, how can we set our hearts there? How can we expect others to be excited if we aren't? And again, it's that authority of scripture. If we read about what heaven is actually like, and we read about what hell is actually like, we can recognize what a gift it is to have access to the home of heaven that is um, offered to people who believe in Jesus and who are willing to accept him as Savior and King. Um, In 2 Corinthians 4, it talks about how um, our present troubles, they don't last very long, and they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. But then it says in verse 18, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. If we can set our hearts on things above, if we can set our hearts on heaven, we can look forward to the home that Jesus has made for us with excitement, with anticipation. We can join the chorus of creation, groaning and asking, Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you again for wayfaring with us and leaning into the deeper things alongside us. Heaven is our home, and our hope is that this time together has sparked an excitement in your heart to fix your eyes on home as we wait in eager expectation.